Golden State Warriors basketball. Shoots over Danny Green. Rainbow! Nothing but net! How did he do it? The fifth three-point shot of the night for Steph Curry. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Iguodala, no hurry this time down. Lob for Pogba, catches and rams it through. Great look by Iguodala. Saw Gortat wasn't looking, made eye contact, threw it up, and Bogut sends it down. 51-47. Bradley Beal goes and gets the ball at the logo. Drifting left side, takes a three, misses that. Rebound, Wizards. And Ariza toss over, falls open a three. That's good. It's 88-85. Big offensive rebound at the right time. Tough ball game last night. Golden State played the kind of defense at times they wanted to, holding the Washington Wizards to below 40% shooting. But the Warriors themselves shot below 40% for only the third time this year and lost a tough one to the Washington Wizards. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, and once again, I'm inviting you to take a seat around the Warriors' weekly roundtable. Golden State 27-19 will take on the L.A. Clippers uh, tomorrow night, and we're going to preview that matchup later on in the show uh, during Warriors Vox, Warriors VOX on Twitter, when I talk with the voice of the Clippers, Brian Seaman. We'll also check in with the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, our old friend, the longtime voice of the Seattle Super. Sonics, and that is Kevin Calabro. First up, though, we'll talk with Mo Spates about his role off the bench for the Golden State Warriors, as well as check in with what the Warriors are doing off the floor to make the Bay Area a better place to be. It's all this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. And a quick reminder, the Warriors in Cass Creek Casino Resort are teaming up to give away 25 prizes in 25 days. Now, tomorrow is the last date to enter for a chance to win the owner's floor seats for a game. Registration is free. Enter tonight at warriors.com slash 25 days. You must be 21 or older to enter. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable will kick it off with a conversation with Warriors forward Mo Spates when we continue right here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee wrestles away the rebound, leads the three on two, fights, Bogut running the floor, and he throws it down with two hands. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Hurry to bring it up. Golden State can take the lead here. Led at 32 31. Draymond Green pass downstairs. Speaks with a two hand slam. Bo Spates flying down the baseline. And this game is tied at 80. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. The Warriors, of course, back in action tomorrow night when they take on the L.A. Clippers. 7 o'clock is the start time on CanBR uh, 680, the sports leader. A pleasure to welcome in Warriors forward Mo Spates as Golden State tries to get back on the winning uh, track. And, and, and Mo, first of all, uh, give me your assessment of, of the Warriors' play in the first half of the season. You know, how well did this team play in the first half of the season? Oh, you played well. We went on the road and won a couple of games, and the schedule weren't really going our way, so we had to make, we just had to win the games we had to win, and we had to get, we had to get to know each other too on the team. So it, it was kind of a challenge, but we still came out with wins, so it was good all the time, a, every time we win. That's an interesting point, and you've you've been on a couple of different teams. What is that like coming to a new team and trying to to fit in? Oh, it's kind of hard when you first get there because you don't really know the players like that. 
You don't really know the players like that. With like outside of bat, like on the court really, but you know my side of basketball. So it's way different when you know guys outside of basketball. So it was hard, but we, we finally got going a little. So do you, do you think that now at at this juncture of the season, your teammates understand a little bit more about how you play, where you like the ball, that kind of thing? Oh yeah, we good now. Everybody know what everybody doing. Everybody know their roles, kind of. So everything's cool now. And and uh, as as you look at the one of the newest Warriors, a guy that you're seeing time on the floor with Jordan Crawford, are you learning how how he plays? Oh yeah, I always watched his game anyway since he was in college, so I already knew how he played. But it's fun having him on the team to play with him because he can score the ball and dish it out good. So he's a good backup point guard for us. He's got that little herky jerky style, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty pretty fun to watch, actually. It's it's actually pretty cool. It's, it's He's kind of a hybrid between Nate Robinson and Jamal Crawford. Yeah. I think. For sure. <laughs> hey, as as um, as you go along in, in, in this stretch right now with both Festus Azili and Jermaine O'Neal out, you've been called upon to do extra duty against some fives on the floor. What is that like, and what do you try to do? It's kind of like a... It depends on what teams we play. Some teams is hard, some teams is not, because it's gonna be a mismatch for them and me. So, I, in my career, I played the fives a lot, so I know how to play against them bigger guys, and I got advantage because they gotta try to guard me, and I could get, I could score on them easy. And because a lot of fives don't like to chase out to the perimeter. Yeah, they don't like chasing out. Yeah. So, so what do you, when you when you get down defensively against a bigger guy, how do how do you do establish your position? How do you get leverage? I try to get lower than him, and Jail been helping me every day in practice because he, we made him play three on three for like the last two weeks. So it, when I go in the game, everything is easier when I play against the bigger guys because I've been playing against Jermaine the last two weeks every day in practice, three on threes, and trying to get him right. So I just got to get lower than him and try not to let him get to my body. Now, when you play against a guy like Jermaine who has such a you know a long career. He's done such a, 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 a great job with his NBA career and learning how to play, you know, at, at, at the five or at the four spot. You know, when you watch him, do you try to pick up little little tidbits from his game and, and then maybe incorporate them uh, into your game? Oh, yeah, I always try to watch J.O. on defense. And I always knew him. I've been knowing J.O. for like five years. We work out together in the summer sometimes. And just watching him play over the years, I always respect his game. I always respect him as a person. So, I try to pick up a lot of stuff, watch him. You know, a couple of things, and we're talking with Mo Spates here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. A couple of things I watch when you turn and face against a guy. You kind of get a read for him for a minute. You're in your, your triple threat position, and, and you get a read for him. At what point do you know that you're good to pull the trigger and take that jump shot? What do you look for? Do you look for his, his, his stance? Do you look for if, is he, is he kind of leaning backwards? What do, you, what do you try to read in order to get that room to take that shot? When I jab, I try to see if uh, when I jab him, he take a couple steps back. When he, when he do that, I just shoot the ball, take one dribble and shoot it. So I just read how they feed is mostly. I noticed occasionally, and last night I said it was like every big man's dream, taking that top of the key three uh, that you hit. Is is, uh, is Coach okay with uh, that shot? Oh, yeah, Coach okay with it because I'm like almost like the fifth best three-point shooter on the team anyways. We have a competition in practice. Mm-hmm. Coach, I let Coach off the hook one time. He cheated. That's the only way he beat me. So <laughs> that's, that's funny. That, yeah, that's something I could do though on a regular if I wanted to. But 
try to do other things. I can't believe Coach cheated on you, really? Yeah, he did. He definitely oh, always. That's just a shame. Shame on him. Uh, <laughs> when, uh, when, when you uh, look at the, the three-point shot as a weapon, you know, and you talk about you know having contests afterwards. But obviously, if you're you're making that shot, you're also practicing that shot. You know, what what spots on the floor do you look to to practice a three point shot so it it comes naturally to you in the game? The corners. That's that's most easy for a big guy, and I like shooting corner threes. And sometimes top of the key, too. So top of the key in the corners. Especially, I think the, the, the top of the key one is interesting for you because sometimes as a big man, you get the rebound, you kick it out, so you're naturally trailing the play. Yep. And like last night, you, you just stepped right into that shot. It was perfect. You know, you trailed was, the play, came right to you. You see the play, is kind of like, I kind of had to shoot it. I couldn't put it on the ground because Draymond set me up for the three. So I couldn't really want to, I didn't want to, when he gave me the ball, I didn't really want to put it on the ground because he said he would have been mad anyway. So he wanted me to shoot the three, so I had no choice but to shoot the three. Yeah, you don't want you don't want Draymond mad at you. That's that's oh, no, a good no. that's a good thing. Hey, I also noticed when you when you finish around the basket, you really uh, throw the ball down hard. You dunk it very very hard. Is that is that on purpose? Oh yeah, because this year I really wasn't dunking like that. So the last couple of games, I was just going like in practice and weight room, trying to get my legs right, get back to the player I've always been. And that's me dunking, making shots, and playing hard. So. My dunk is finally coming back, and I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, because I also think that will uh, keep other guys from trying to block that, too, as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to break their wrist. They try to block it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and the uh, the team loves that as well. I mean, that's a, that's a spark for the team. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. There's a, there was an old story. Uh, will Chamberlain one time. Uh, there's a guy, old player named, uh, not old player, but he was a player named Johnny Green. He was jumping Johnny Green. He's about six seven, six six, and so he went up and he, he could really jump. So he went up and he had to block Wilt's shot one time, and Wilt had a choice. He goes, uh, he, he goes, I could either have broken his arm or I let him block the shot. So he let him block the shot, and and Johnny Green immediately realized what happened and goes down the other end of the floor and says, "Thanks, Wilt. That won't happen again." <laughs> so it was like, so that that's interesting. You said that about about your dunks. Hey, uh, and. Mo, when you look at this team right now, I mean, last night, that's a frustrating loss, and there's been a couple like that, Minnesota as well. Uh, how how tough are those on the team, and, and, and do you guys talk about that and, and what needs to get done to keep that from happening again? Yeah, we always talked about it. Coach said a good speech after the game last night. It was like, uh, he, he know the teams like the Clippers, you know, Spurs, we, gonna make sure, we know we're going to get up for them, but teams like the Wizards, the Bucks, and stuff like that. We got to learn how to get that killer instinct and play hard against them, too. So I feel like sometimes Coach think we go into the games trying to play down to our level of competition. Yeah, you know, and that, and I think that's the, the other part about it, too, Mo, is that, you know, and you weren't here last year, but last year I think the Warriors snuck up on some teams, yeah. you know. The, they were kind of coming out of the gate fast, and, and people didn't realize how good they were. But I'm noticing now, like a team like Washington, they came in. They played hard last night. So the Warriors are getting other teams' A games right now. Yeah, because you got a lot. Like last year, the Warriors was a good team, but they really, you really didn't really know nothing about them, just knowing that they could shoot threes and all that. So they, you could sneak up, like you said, they could sneak, they sneak up on teams. But this year, coming to the season, got a lot of expectations on myself. So every team come here, you know, it's going to be 20,000 fans in there every night. So you know they don't come in, lights on, and everybody think we're one of the best teams in the league, even though sometimes we don't think so. We don't think so. Now, now, 
One of the things about the NBA I don't think some people realize is that, you know, every guy comes in, he's more than likely, he's the star of his high school team, more than likely, he's one of the best players on his college team and, and uh, maybe the star of the college team. And then they come to the pros where everybody has been a star, and now all of a sudden you have to take a different role. You coming into the NBA, uh, how difficult was it for you to accept a, an off-the-bench role and, and to, to fit in? fit in that way because it is an entirely different mentality than starting a game. Oh, yeah, it's way different. It's, it was hard, though, when I first got in the league, but I knew I, this was what I was going to have to do anyways my whole career mostly. But it's hard because you sit on the bench really for like 20 minutes real time in a real game the first quarter. So depends on what coach sub you in. But when I first got a chance to start in Memphis, though, it was way different than coming off the bench. <laughs> Yeah, now, when you warm up, knowing that you're coming off the bench before the game, do you warm up differently because of that? Because yeah, you, if you go hard, all of a sudden you get cold for 20 minutes. Pre-game shooting and warm-ups, you got to kind of go hard. But like you said, like I just said, like when you sit on the bench, you get all cold and you got to get yourself back going. So it's hard, but it's something you got to do in this league if you want to stay in this league. How important is it when you're sitting there and watching the game is not just watching and rooting your teammates on, but also studying – What's happening on on the floor at the time? Uh, it, it's all right. That that part right there is not really that hard. But only hard part is this: like some teams keep they they four and five in the game the, the whole first quarter. So when you get on them, it's, they already warmed up. So you got to try to match them, knowing that they warmed up, they got their shots up, and you come in here cold. So that's the only hard part. But you got to get used to it. Now, now obviously, this is a team that has some great shooters with Steph Curry, Clay. Thompson and so on. So, but I, I know that you can get it going as well. When do you get that feeling that you know the shots are going to fall tonight, and I, I feel good? When do you get that feeling? Well, I'm different from them guys. Them guys are elite shooters. I, I can't compare myself to them guys nowhere near close. But when I get an easy bucket, I feel like after that, when I get that easy layup or easy dunk or free throws, that's going to get me going. But I haven't really this year. I haven't really got it. Going like that, some games I show flashes, but when I get it going, like I know I get it going like a lot. Most Bates, our guest on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, I'm Tim Roy. Let's talk about tomorrow. L.A. Clippers coming to town. It's a, it's an old-fashioned NBA rivalry of two teams that really have a, as I like to say, a healthy uh, dislike for each other. A lot of respect going back and forth, but uh, what's it going to be like tomorrow night? <laughs> you already know it's gonna be like it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a Chris Paul out, so it might be a little different because them guys won't be act so tough because Chris Paul ain't out there, so they might act a little softer than they did last time we played. Chris Paul got them them guys on a lot of gas, but it's gonna be a good game because we, we we both have been re- waiting for this game for a long time, so we just gotta go out there and play hard and match their intensity. They got a game tonight, so we should jump on them early. Yeah, Chris Paul's pretty tough for a point guard. Yeah, I hate him when he was in Memphis. That's he. Oh uh, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> hey Mo, I appreciate uh, the time today. Actually, before I let you go, a couple questions. How, how are you liking the Bay Area? Oh no, it's it's a great city, great community, great fans. So I like it because the fans welcome you here, and when you when you're out somewhere, it's like a college town. They always come up to you, speak to you, want to take pictures. So. That's always make people comfortable when they come to a different team. 
Yeah, how, how lucky are we all to 41 times a year to walk into a building that has, you know, has, uh, t- roughly 20,000 people in it, and they're all, you know, they're fan. They don't need to be told by the scoreboard when it's time to make noise. They they know when it's time to chant defense. They know when a big stop is and, and what a big basket is. I mean, how lucky are we to come to a uh, an atmosphere like that and go to work 41 times a year? Yeah, you're very lucky. A lot of guys really don't know no nothing about different teams, but. This this is one of this is the might got to be the best in the league that come every night full house like it's none don't it's no dull period in it, in the stadiums like I have on my teams in the past and and Mo when when you're having some downtime or you get a day off you know what uh, what kind of things do you like to do I just me and my boys just go to the city and just walk around and go get some food over there. I was like the other day I went to go to Alcatraz thing. That was something I always wanted to see. So that was you went to Alcatraz. Yeah. Did you uh, Did you wear the the headphones? Yep, that was a good that, tour. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Really? Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. yeah that's, that's pretty. It's a pretty unique unique spot. And uh, I don't know who thought to build a prison there, but man, <laughs> wow, what a choice. Uh, Mo, I appreciate the time, and and it was great to get to know you a little bit better in, in this conversation, and uh, we were happy that you're a Golden State Warrior. Continued success, and tomorrow night should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> My thanks to Mo Spates of the Golden State Warriors. Tomorrow should be a lot of fun. Also a lot of fun. Avita and the Warriors are offering one lucky fan the chance to win a Warriors road trip. This experience includes a trip for two to Detroit to see the Warriors take on the Pistons. Registration is free. To enter for your chance to win, go to warriors.com slash Avita. Well, again, our thanks to Mo Spates. I'm Tim Roy. When we continue, we'll find out how the Warriors are contributing off the floor in the Bay Area. We'll also hear from the voice of the L.A. Clippers, Brian Seaman. That's coming up here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Oh! Jammed it over, Duncan! <laughs> Elevation sensation for Harrison Barnes! Golden State Warriors basketball. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Recently, Warriors guard Steph Curry, who's of course an NBA fit team member and in partnership with Kaiser Permanente, went to Oakland's Ira Jenkins Recreation Center, where Steph spoke to 200 kids from Brookfield Elementary School. One of the messages that Steph passed on was not only about shooting for him, I mean, who better to learn how to shoot the basketball than Steph Curry, but also to stay physically active and to eat healthy all year round. In fact, Steph also told them about the activities he does off the basketball floor in the offseason to keep himself physically fit. It's all part of the Warriors' continuing efforts to make the Bay Area an even better place to live. Well, I know the certain foods that, uh, like like doctor was saying, that make me feel good, like fruits and vegetables and, and pasta when I'm getting ready for the game. So. When I know those foods make me feel good, I make sure I eat them before I play so that I can have energy, focus, and can be able to go out and run up and down the floor um, like I do all, every night when I play in, in games. And then when I'm off the court, um, I try to eat as healthy as possible so that I'm ready to play the next day because you have to be able to recover and in between games so that you're able to, to get back to 
um, you know, that level of performance that, that I, I expect every time I go out on the floor. If you eat right, if you exercise daily on a daily basis, you're able to push yourself to new limits. Uh, the same thing like I talk about in basketball and athletics can apply in school as well. When you get a homework assignment and you feel like you've tried your hardest but can't figure it out, to be able to you know, get over that hump and do whatever it takes to get that assignment done, uh, it's the same, same message that applies to basketball and sports. So uh, digging deep, making sure that you're trying to be the hardest worker in whatever you do, uh, you'll go a long way. I guess the three things that I do in the summer that are not basketball, I like to ride my bike, I like to go swimming, right? And I like to just run for fun, because that means I, I'm getting in shape, I'm working my body to, to, to work hard and get ready for, for uh, anything that's gonna happen next season. So swimming, running, and uh, riding your bike. That's what I do in the summers. The one thing I want you all to do, all right, whether you make it, whether you make it or you miss it, all right? One, have confidence, and two, hold your follow-through. That's what I'll make, make sure everybody does. Okay. Yeah, and then you hold your follow-through, right? But we're gonna have confidence, right? There it is. Yeah. Hey! Hey, two in a row! Golden State Warriors basketball. Another one. Steph Curry from distance, his seventh three-pointer of the game. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Warriors Bucks. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. I'm Tim Roy. Time now to answer your questions on Twitter at Warriors Vox, Warriors V O X. A number of folks have asked basically the same question, so I'm going to boil it down to this. What's happening with the Golden State Warriors right now? Do they have time to get it together? I think that's the concern of people watching the Warriors and watching what's been happening lately, losing three of their last four games. And, of course, the Warriors have the Clippers tomorrow night and then at Utah. It's a back-to-back. Do they have time? Sure they do. It's the end of January. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of home games left in the season. And usually, Golden State has done a great job of protecting the home court. Not so much this year. They need to be better on the home floor. I think one of the signs last night that was good, back-to-back games holding teams below 40% shooting. That means they're getting back to their defensive core. If they continue to do that and make that their basis, then they will get it back together again. So I think the Warriors have time. They have a lot of winnable games left on the schedule. I just think it's a matter of getting back to their defensive presence. They're not going to shoot below 40% the way they did last night. They're not going to do that. They're just too good of a team offensively to struggle the way they did last night. So I think there are signs that the Warriors are getting it back together. But I think they do need to approach the second half of the season with a greater sense of urgency. The Western Conference standings right now, there is a pack forming between slots 5 to 10, and it's going to be very tight, and there's going to be a lot of very tough games between now and the end of April. So I think a sense of urgency has to be there for a team to really excel 
and to be their best. Well, Podman54 wants to know about Harrison Barnes. Can he be effective at the two? Can he? Should he go into the starting lineup to get him jump-started? I think we're seeing signs of Harrison Barnes uh, starting to bring his game together and starting to feel more comfortable on the floor. Last night, making plays for other players, drawing the defense and finding the open man. I thought Harrison did a very good job of that. And I think the combinations that Mark Jackson is experimenting with, uh, bringing Crawford and Barnes on the floor with a couple of different starters, that's going to pay some dividends for Golden State. And I think you'll see the minutes start to even out over the course of the rest of the year because the bench play is starting to get better. Crawford's going to make a difference. He can create his own shot. He can create for others. Harrison Barnes getting more time with the starting unit is going to help him. So I think the bench unit is really starting to come together, and I think it will be a lot more consistent than what we saw in the first half of the year and be a lot more effective, and that in turn will give Mark Jackson a lot more confidence to give those guys long stretches of the floor. Remember last night, what the bench did was take a deficit and turn it into a Warriors lead. And we haven't seen that this year. And that's a very, very good sign for the Warriors bench. Thank you for your questions. We try to answer as many as we can here on Warriors Vox. That's Warriors V-O-X on Twitter. Or you can send me an email at timroy at warriors.com. That's T-I-M-R-O-Y-E at warriors.com. Now let's move on. A great matchup tomorrow night as the Warriors take on the L.A. Clippers. So let's bring in the voice of the Clippers, Brian Seaman, right now. And what a remarkable run uh, for this ball club. Chris Paul goes on the sideline, hurt against Dallas back on January 3rd. And, Brian, the Clippers have gone 9-3 and three without Chris Paul. How have they managed this? Well, everybody has kind of stepped up their game, as you, you would need to have happen when you lose a player like Chris. Uh, but the one guy that to me has jumped off the page is, you know, it's Blake Griffin. And you can look at his numbers, and in the in the wake of Chris's absence, they have gone up, you know, by three or four points. But it's how he's getting them. You know, he's posting up more. Uh, he's become more efficient on the block. But it's clear to me that he has a newfound confidence, and it starts at the free throw line. And you might see that as just okay. So he makes his free throws when he's fouled. Well, now he's looking to get fouled. Now he's being aggressive. He's going, you know, wanting the ball in a clutch moment. And he has supreme confidence in himself to get to the line and, and make the shots. And there were times in his first couple of years, Tim, that you'd see him back away. You know, he would do everything he could to stay away from contact when the game was on the line. And he's a different player. It has been a joy to watch kind of the, you know, the, the evolution of his ball game. And that's really, to me, the big reason. There's been some close games in this 9-3 and three stretch, and he's been the, the difference maker in all of them. And that has always been the case of how to defend him, was to take him out of his rhythm, was to put him on the free throw line a couple of times, and then you could see his confidence start to erode. You know, it is it, the cool thing about it is not only is he making the free throws and, as I mentioned, wanting the ball in the clutch, but he's, he's becoming a playmaker. You know, and, and one thing Doc Rivers has said, he's like, I always knew that he was a worker by all the reports. I knew that he worked hard, and I knew that he'd be a good guy to – you know, the coach, what I did not know was what a passer he was. And he says he's not a good passer. He's a great passer. And you'll see him uh, tomorrow night, inevitably, he'll be on the elbow or he'll be on the wing. He'll be fending off a defender with one hand, and he'll be looking to kind of pick apart the defense, almost like what we'll see on, you know, Sunday night in the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. It's just he's, he's really become a complete player, and there's still room to grow. And all these people that are saying, oh, they should trade him and they should get Carmelo and do this and do that, I mean, Blake has just literally begun, in my mind, to scratch the surface, and I think he's just—I think it's just the start of something very, very special here for the Clippers. In the offseason, the Clippers gave up a talent in Eric Bledsoe, but how important was the acquisition of Darren Collison? 
Darren Collis, I mean, that, that becomes like, you know, when you look at the Bledsoe trade, there's three pieces to it. Collis ends up filling that backup role, and he has done it marvelously. And it's not the first time he's been the understudy to Chris. This goes back to their you know, time in New Orleans when Darren was a rookie, filled in for, for Chris very much like he is now. You know, really, you know, his stats took off, um, and he has been really, really good. It's still a work in progress, I think, with Darren and, and kind of getting the ball to – where people like Blake and J.J. and Jamal like it, but Darren has been great. But that piece with Bledsoe didn't just open up a slot for Darren Collison. It brought in a guy like J.J. Redick, who to me is kind of like the silent assassin out there. You know, everybody pays attention to Chris Blake and when Jamal's out there, but J.J. Redick with his movement with and without the basketball is really what makes this offense go, I think. DeAndre Jordan seems to have played at a, at a different level. And granted, you know, like a lot of players in this league, he has strengths and weaknesses that are apparent. But it, it just seems to me he's getting a little bit more in tune uh, with his basketball IQ. He is a different player, Tim, and he's a different person in, the, in, the, in both positive ways. He's still a goofy guy in a fun way. Uh, he's still a guy that you can joke with, that, you know, and I've seen him play every minute of his NBA career. And, you know, it's funny because I'll bring the Warriors into this. You know, it was, uh, it was right after the lockout ended and teams were handing out contracts and DeAndre signs a $40 million deal, an offer sheet uh, that was essentially extended by Jerry West, you know, a consultant for you guys. And I'm a Jerry West fan, and anything Jerry West does, I kind of reevaluate if it goes against my opinion of a player. And I was kind of up in the air about DeAndre. I just didn't know what he was going to bring. I kept saying even last year when there were some times of despair with DeAndre, I'm like, boy, but Jerry West had this guy, you know, he was willing to offer him a four-year contract at $40 bucks. You better stay with it. Well, here's what Jerry West saw is what DeAndre Jordan is doing, leading the league in field goal percentage and rebounding. And when I talk with Doc Rivers both on and off the air, I'll tell Doc readily, like, look, I, I can understand certain defenders and who's good and who's not good. I want you to tell me why DeAndre is good aside from the numbers and, you know, Doc Rivers quotes other coaches when he tells me this about how DeAndre's doing all these little things about how he's showing on pick and rolls and how he's getting back into his position and how he's making sure others don't score. I mean, it's been really fun to watch him. And we talk about the evolution of Blake. DeAndre has taken a quantum leap. I doubt that he gets a selection for All-Star, and we'll find out when we're up there tomorrow night. Uh, But I would love to see it. He's a worthy All-Star. He really is. And if you told me in October, that first week of training camp, that I would say, He's a worthy all-star. I tell you that the future for the Clippers is pretty bright. Here we are. You know, they've had a rough first half of the season, and yet they're still number four in the Western Conference. So I'm looking forward to the second half of the year. Brian, uh, this will be the third meeting between the Warriors and the Clippers. How do the Clippers view the Warriors? Um, I think there's a great deal of respect there. In fact, I don't think I know there is. But let's be honest, uh, with the exception of the broadcasters, I hope, I think they, these two teams and organizations don't like each other very much. <laughs> um, which I, which think I think that's a bad which, thing. No, I think that's good. I think it goes back to when, when the league was really roaring. You know, you had, you had old-fashioned rivalries and teams that didn't like each other. I think it adds to the drama of it all. I love it, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I say this, and I said this even before the Warriors really became who they are today, that going into Oakland is the toughest place to play in the league. I don't think people understand that. It is the best crowd. Uh, it is loud, and it's been that way even since before the, the team is to where they are today. So tomorrow night or tonight is going to be absolutely crazy, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I think there's a dislike there. I really do, and I love it. Uh, but I know that you know guys like Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson and, and David Lee, just to name a few, they have the attention of the Clippers in a positive way in terms of a basketball way. 
but it's an epic throwdown, and they'll, they'll downplay it, and they can do that all they want to. Tim, you and I know these two teams don't like each other, and I think it's terrific. I love it. Don't look at me sideways tomorrow. I'm just telling you right now. Don't look at me sideways <laughs> tomorrow. Don't come tomorrow. over my area. You exactly. know. Don't come over in my area. <laughs> <laughs> my thanks to Brian Seaman, the voice of the L.A. Clippers. Don't miss the game tomorrow night. Blake Griffin and the L.A. Clippers at Oracle. Limited tickets are still available. Secure your seats tonight at warriors.com slash dynamic or call one gsw hoop and press option number one. Coming up, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio and the long time voice of the Seattle Supersonics and that is Kevin Calabro. He's next on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680 The Sports Leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Left side, Bogut, touch pass to David Lee. Two-hand rim-racker for Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Here's a look at Hamilton. He and Festus Azili. Or, as they say in NASCAR, swap and paint. <laughs> we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy, and a pleasure to welcome one of the uh, great announcers in this era of NBA basketball. That's Kevin Calabro. He's the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. He'll be in town tomorrow night covering the uh, Warriors and the Clippers. And, uh, Kevin, it's always great to have you back in, in Northern California. Tim, thanks for having me. Good to be back. I haven't been down there since uh, late last year, and uh, as always, the crowd down there is one of the best, if not the best, in support of their team. It has been over the years down there in the Bay Area, and of course, they've got great reason to get behind this squad now, given what they have achieved on the floor, and uh, looking forward to another heated matchup between the Warriors and the Clippers. What do you see when you look at the the Warriors? What, What strikes you? Obviously, great shooting, uh, without question. Uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, I would agree with Mark Jackson's most dynamic backcourt in terms of shooting and scoring a ball that's come along in a long, long time. I mean, combined, these guys are shooting 40%, and they're well over 330 attempts from three, each of them, and, and they play long minutes. You know, they're averaging about 38 minutes a game. They've been very durable this year. Curry's been playing with some nagging injuries, obviously, but uh, that's first and foremost what I see. And then I see a very physical team with Andrew Bogut up front, a team that rebounds surprisingly well, nearly 46 rebounds a game and a plus three net uh, department, you know, with Bogut getting the 10 boards a game. And I think David Lee, you could make a, a case uh, for, for him being on an all-star team, 19 points, nearly 10 rebounds a game, and showing great leadership as well. And then, a, you know, a strong bench uh, with guys that have various skill sets. And I think the addition of Jordan Crawford, and the way he has played over the last six games, I think, has, has given this uh, ball club a boost. But, you know, they, they cannot afford to have an off-shooting night, nor can they afford to turn the ball over, as they have a propensity to do uh, better than 16 turnovers a game. And that's what ultimately cost them in their game against uh, the Washington Wizards. Yeah, it hurt last night, and they held the Wizards to below 40%. You know, I, I, that's the only comparison I can see between uh, the Warriors and those great supersonic teams that you announced for is that, you know, everybody looks at the flash and the shooting of Steph Curry and everything, but Mark Jackson continually reminding everyone, hey, this team is built on defense. When we play defense, that's when we win. And, and to me, that when, when those Sonic teams played the, the great defense, that's when they were really uh, destructive. 
Well, Gary Payton obviously was a terrific uh, man on ball defender, and he could gamble a great deal because back in the day, I had a fellow by the name of Hersey Hawkins who was known as a terrific scorer and shooter, certainly uh, in college at Bradley and later in the pro ranks, but also a very cerebral player, and he would always have Gary's backside. Those two guys wreaked havoc on offenses. They really extended the defense extremely well. They got a lot of their points off of forced turnovers and scrambles and winning the 50-50 ball and the hustle plays. And then you had Sean Kemp, who was an outstanding weak side rebounder. He'd come out of the weeds with spike shots, keep balls in play, would run them down as well. So you know, it was a good defensive team, and in those days you weren't allowed to play zone defense, but George Carl was one of the best schemers, I think, uh, in the pro game and still is, in my opinion. And, and the Sonics would play a variation of a zone and get away with it because they had a height certain players who defensively weren't as stout as the rest of the club, meaning Detlef Schrempf, but uh, obviously from an offensive standpoint, had a great deal of output. Those were those were terrific teams back in the day. But I, yeah, I think that defensively, this this team does uh, certainly have uh, a ways to go. Although they are holding teams down 100 points and they're scoring nearly 104 ball games. Kevin Clabber, our guest, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. I'm Tim Roy, and, and uh, Kevin Kevin Durant is. I think he's making the strongest case ever for himself to be MVP. Without Russell Westbrook, he has really, uh, I think, emerged as a guy that, that has taken a team on his back and is keeping them rolling. What do you think about the, the run that Durant is on right now? Well, it's a phenomenal run. LeBron had a similar run in February of last year, and that team was reeling off 27 in a row. Uh, but they were nearly at full strength now. Wade may have been uh, at that time during that run last year in in pretty good shape, but they weren't down a man, uh, as, as you just mentioned, as Oklahoma City is, and not just a man, but you know an all star and arguably one of the top three point guards, I believe anyway, in the NBA. But what he has done is he has done it uh, by not dominating the basketball. He's had some games where he scored over 40 where he's handled the ball less than four minutes. Less than four minutes of touches of the leather scoring better than 40 points. I mean, that's wow. phenomenal. Yeah, I that's mean, that's an incredible output. Uh, they move the ball extremely well. They're well coached, as we know, by Scott Brooks. And Reggie Jackson's having a, a quietly having just a, a phenomenal year. And Serge Ibaka is anchoring defensively. You know, so it's not only Durant, but other guys have really picked up their games as well. And then you know, their, their bench has gotten longer. With Lamb playing more minutes and playing better, Stephen Adams is coming off the bench. He, he adds just a solid punch in there behind Perkins and to add with Collison in their, in their rotation up front. I mean, that's a solid group. But, yeah, we're certainly seeing one of the, the greatest players that we've seen in a long time in Kevin Durant. And I think, uh, I, I think there was a burr under his saddle that LeBron may have inadvertently placed there uh, depending on who you believe, you know, when he wondered aloud after looking at a box score, geez, if I had 30 shots, you know, what yeah. would the result of that be? And exactly. believe me, that was not lost on Kevin Durant. Yeah, you'd have to think that that one was posted in his locker, or at least or maybe even just <laughs> mentally, mentally in his locker. We talk a lot on our show, obviously, about the great talent that comes out of the Bay Area, including Gary Payton. But Seattle has a number of great basketball players. How did that start? What are the, what are the, the roots and maybe the genesis of, of the good basketball that's come out of Seattle? Boy, I, you know, I, 
know, I just I think back to a guy by the name of Clint Richardson who was here and played at Seattle U and, and, and went to high school here, and, and Clint was terrific. He, you know, he played for those old Philadelphia teams with Andrew, Tony, and the Doc, and Moses, and that group. And, you know, you go back to Washington basketball, University of Washington, there have been any number of fine players that have, have come out of there. I think that's the root of it, really, is, is, is fine Husky basketball here and of course, they are coached by Lorenzo Romar, who's the longest tenured coach in the Pac-12, and he had a time there when he played for the Golden State Warriors. I remember back in the uh, the early '80s. But I, I think that's probably the, the the heritage that's been passed along is, is through the University of Washington and the way that they have really nurtured and Seattle University. When you go back and you consider that Elton Baylor was there at Seattle U and played for the Chieftains back in the '50s, uh, but both these schools have been amenable to the community, to the kids. They've had basketball camps. They've always been open for kids to work out. And these you know, young men that are collegians and pros come back to Seattle and work down there at the Heck Ed Gym where, where Detlef Shrimp used to be known as you know, the gym rat. If you wanted to get a hold of Detlef Shrimp, you knew where to find him. It was down there in the gym. And you know, guys like Brandon Roy and Jason Terry and uh, all the way to present day, a guy like Peyton Siva who came out of UCLA, the national champions. It's just been the thing to do here in Seattle because, you know, as you know, it's 40 degrees and it's raining as it is today for about six months out of the year, so there's not much to do other than go play hoops. Get get inside the gym. We saw Martel Webster last night, of course, with the who's related to Jason Terry. Even going back to an old interview we did years ago with Lenny Wilkins, and I asked him about being a player coach, and he said that the, his his sounding board at the time was Marv Harshman, who was the head coach at Washington at the time. He would go talk to him and talk basketball with him. So, a great uh, a great legacy of basketball, Kevin. I know I know I speak for a lot of people around the league that it's a it's a shame there's no NBA in Seattle, and, and we hope that day is coming soon. Maybe with Adam Silver coming on board, things will change, and, and we can get a club back up there because we need to, to get the NBA back in Seattle. Yeah, we're hopeful that'll happen. You know, I had 41 years of great support here in Seattle and home of national champions. And as you mentioned, the the great Hall of Famer Lenny Wilkins and the Hall of Famer Gary Payton and uh, Sean Kemp, who you know everybody knows uh, or, or or is aware of anyway. So that kind of history and that kind of legacy, uh, you'd hope that yeah, the NBA would bring Seattle back to the fold. Kevin, great to talk to you. I look forward to seeing you out at Oracle tomorrow night. Always a pleasure, Tim. Have a great broadcast. That's Kevin Calabro of ESPN Radio. And a quick reminder, he's going to be in town tomorrow night, and you don't want to miss the upcoming appearance by Blake Griffin and the L.A. Clippers. That is tomorrow night. There are limited tickets still available. So secure your seats tonight at warriors.com slash dynamic or call one triple gsw hoop and press 1. It promises to be a great game. Warriors and Clippers tomorrow night. 7 o'clock will be our airtime on KMBR 680, the sports leader. We'll check the upcoming schedule when we come back on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Draymond goes to work with three, with two, runner, right hand flip on the rim and down! Draymond Green! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. It's time now for the upcoming broadcast. Brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Let's go to tomorrow night. Warriors and Clippers, you don't want to miss that when Blake Griffin comes to town. Paul up the left side, crosses over Terry, loses the ball, but recovers right on the circle and behind the three-point line and slows the roll. Neglects the DeAndre Jordan screen, looks to Blake on the alley-oop. Hello! Oh, 
Tennessee. Warriors and Clippers, 7 o'clock, the pregame show on KBR 680. Then it follows with a game in Utah on Friday night. The Warriors at altitude in Salt Lake City have to battle Gordon Hayward. Gift into the corner to Hayward, got away with an extra step. The jumper is good. It's a three right in front of the Warrior bench. Friday, the Warriors in Salt Lake City. They take on the Jazz. It's a 7 o'clock start. It's a late game in Salt Lake City, but an average start time for us. Warriors and Jazz, 7 o'clock, the pregame show on KBR 680, the sports leader. Back home on Tuesday, Kemba Walker and the Charlotte Bobcats hurt the Warriors in North Carolina. The Warriors want some payback. Walker right side, pull up. Swish! Walker right hot. 29 points. On 12 of 17 shooting. Warriors and Bobcats Tuesday at 7 o'clock here on KMBR 680 and the Golden State Warriors Radio Network. A quick programming note, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable will be moved to Wednesday next week. Wednesday at 8 o'clock, there'll be a game on Thursday night. So it's a Wednesday show next week here on KMBR 680. Hi, Tim Roy. That's going to wrap up the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Thank you for taking your seat around the roundtable this week. I also want to thank our guest, Warriors forward Mo Spates, the voice of the L.A. Clippers, Brian Seaman, and the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, our old friend Kevin Calabro. Thanking the producer who never says goodbye, R.C. Davis, Dave Feldhouse at the controls, and a reminder to call Ray Woodson right now at 808-KMBR as his program starts in just a couple of minutes. I'm Tim Roy saying good night for the weekly roundtable. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from Oracle when the Warriors take on the Clippers. 7 o'clock is the pregame show here on KMBR 680. The sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala. Right to Clay Thompson. Back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the rim. And he scores with the right hand. For tickets, go to warriors.com. Or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.